0: Welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by coordination.com, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm your host, Greg Mahachko, joined, as always, by our founder and fearless leader, John Dam Johnston. Hello, John.
1: Hi, Greg.
0: And joined again, as always... Todd Wolverton, what the hell's going? On? What's, so, what's so damn funny? Like I'm just sitting here trying to open the show, and I, I, I see in my peripheral you two
1: chowderheads just fucking laughing your asses off. What's up? Uh, Todd was uh, Todd was making gestures. We're all we're both tan again. What do you want from us? It's a uh, the moment of senility.
2: All That's right. right. Just need a little release. A little release.
1: From the from the stressful and busy work day.
2: I uh, worked from home today
0: because my portion of Illinois, uh, we, we got a lot of uh, frozen rain starting in the overnight hours and up until about 1 o'clock this afternoon. So, uh, yeah, stayed home. Kids' uh, oldest uh, school was canceled. My wife, they closed her uh, office, so she was working from home. And so she worked this morning and I technically worked this afternoon and the kids had adult supervision and we all survived.
1: Good job.
2: I was going to say, I'll bet, I'll bet the house felt pretty close today with everybody there.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. (laughs) I, I I want, I wanted to um, drop some statistics on you if I could.
1: Okay. So okay.
0: <laughs> In, I, I this is where I said, I should have memorized these better. I can't remember if it was 1940. I believe 1940. So pre-World War II, 1940, only 8% of American households had televisions. But by 1960, any idea what that, uh, uh, what that percentage was? 43. 68. 89%.
1: <gasps> Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot higher than I thought it'd be. I didn't even think 8% had TVs in 1940. In 1960,
0: more American households, this is true, had televisions than had indoor plumbing.
1: So, this my makes question makes perfect
0: sense. My question for you, old farts, is which ones did your houses have? In
2: 1960.
1: The well. Stockville, the courthouse in Frontier County, Nebraska, Stockville, Nebraska, where I grew up—not Stockville, but Frontier <laughs> County—was the last courthouse in the nation to get indoor plumbing in 1962. Wow! Do you remember the 50 county, the the rundown? We went up all the counties. When I did that, I looked at all the other county courthouses, and I realized that really, really bunch of horribly drunk fucking poor people built our courthouse and they just went out there and started nailing boards together until it became a building. And that's what it looks like. It looks like a horrible, horrible piece of shit compared to all these other nice County courthouses across the nation, you know, and that's going to stay that way forever.
0: Frontier County, Nebraska. You have a shitty County courthouse (laughs) says former resident John Johnston. (laughs) Put that in the local Frontier County Gazette. Former resident, now internet bigwig, says our courthouse sucks.
1: <laughs> you want a quick story about Stockville?
0: Yes, yes I do.
1: Okay. Does it does it include
0: a, a play on the name? Does it include you no. in a stockade? No. Oh, I'm not as interested now.
1: Okay, see, we did, we did this county <laughs> countdown thing, and, and somebody, when the pandemic started, uh, all the five people that live in Stockville are going to fucking shoot at me the next time I go home. Uh, somebody at the beginning of the pandemic uh, drove into Stockville. And then they sent me a mail an email about their experience because they went out on the Internet and they looked up Stockville and they came across my article. And they sent me this email about how they drove into Stockville and they sent me a photo. And it the photo was one of those big signs, you know, where you put the letters in it and it was something like, uh, have a nice day, get out you know, or go home or stay away. It was literally like, get out of town. And this woman, there was a bad storm coming and she thought there was going to be a tornado and she was looking for shelter. And there was a woman at a house that she stopped and tried to ask, is there any way, place me and my daughter could go? And the woman kept screaming at her to leave town and get get away from them. And I, I wrote back to her and I said, thank you so much for your story. That is the Stockville I knew and loved. Except well, they'd, we would have a, a bar down there that we always drank, sometimes illegally at. and um, Then we had the Stockville World Fair, where pe- there were only 60 people that lived in Stockville. But when the county fair was there, it'd grow to like 4,000 people. And they'd have a really good country stars come. And, I, of us?
0: I, I, I wonder if Frontier County, Stockville uh, in particular, didn't provide some inspiration to the Nebraska uh, tourism bureau or or board, because maybe that's where they got the inspiration for uh, Nebraska. It's not for everybody. They went to Stockville and saw they get the hell outside. (laughs) So uh, Uh, we should move on now. We should. I want to tell everybody uh, that I'm I'm so thankful for uh, the sponsor of this week's show. Uh, That's right. And, and uh, they look. They bring a lot of smiles to my face. I'm happy to uh, give a shout out to the old New Belgium Fat Tire Amber Ale.
1: That's our spo- sponsor. Excuse me. Gish.
0: It, it's it's sponsoring me being able to put up with YouTube
2: assholes. I'll have to have my dad watch this episode. That's his favorite beer, Greg. You should. You should. Yeah. You'll
0: have to tell him. He doesn't normally.
2: Is. Normally he's the one that knocks on the door and says, "Could you quiet down in there a little bit? You're getting a little loud."
0: So he's the equivalent of my son.
2: Yeah, 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 and probably in more ways than one way, more ways than one.
0: Time out. My son's out of diapers.
2: (laughs) I think my dad's out of it. I don't think he's going to want to
0: watch the show after all. No, probably not. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Scratch
0: that idea. <laughs> all right. So as we're uh, recording this very special episode of the Five Heart Podcast, uh, it is National Signing Day. It is February 2nd, Groundhog's Day. Old Punxsutawney Philip uh, saw his shadow. Six more weeks of winter. That's why I hate groundhogs. Every day or every year. I hate groundhogs, Um, but it was national signing day where uh, young men could sign their national letter of intent to go play, uh, continue their football careers at various schools. And Nebraska picked up two more players today. There was a very accurate, I believe, article on Coronation about how this signing day doesn't mean as much anymore the first Wednesday of February used to be almost like a a holiday. And then however many years back, I don't remember exactly. They said, you know what? We're going to have an early signing period and it's going to be in December during bowl season uh, with uh, madness and mayhem, chaos and carnage. And so now the first Wednesday of February is just the first Wednesday of February, I think, uh, because, between early signing period, the transfer portal, which we talked a lot about last week, uh, we now have a very, I think, complete idea of uh, the incoming class to Nebraska. Again, from all different sources, as we'll talk, uh, you know, we have high school graduates, of course, JUCO transfers, uh, and then there's the the madness that is the transfer portal. But we did pick up a couple more skill players today, and that's uh, what we're going to talk about. We're, we're going to kind of recap uh, a little bit of all of uh, the um, acquisitions, I guess, uh, to the best of our ability. But uh, a couple of, or at least one, and, and I'll, I'll start with one, uh, the running back that I remember uh, seeing, a four-star running back by the name of A.J. Allen. And yes, before you ask, A.J. is spelled out A-J-A-Y. um what what do we know about uh,
1: AJ Allen, guys? He's fast. Okay, he's like the seventh running back on scholarship this year. Isn't that crazy? We have a lot of running backs, man.
0: I feel Shifty. like Shifty, Shifty, Shifty. Shifty. So That's what I, you I call hear. A guy. In, in my, you know, you got to go back. Over twenty years, but I, of course, I'm a Steelers fan, and my favorite to this day, my my favorite football player is Jerome Bettis. You know, he was in his prime when I was there. I say coming of age and, and really starting to follow football more closely. And I remember I was uh, watching a Steelers game at my friend's house, and you know, Bettis is a very particular type of runner. He's not going to you know be shifty. He's not going to uh, blaze past everybody. And and there's one of the more iconic moments in his career, I believe his final season, uh, where uh, they're at uh, Heinz Field in Pittsburgh and he knocks over Brian Urlacher for a touchdown. He was a power runner. Um, And young me in the 90s is at my friend's house and his dad's like, yeah, there's there's two types of runners. There's the Jerome Bettis type, and there's the Barry Sanders type, uh, you know. And and maybe now we have more in the middle, you know. Uh, with with the uh speed and power, like an Adrian Peterson type, you know that that's a, a hybrid of, of both. But um, I've always preferred a power runner. <laughs> uh, I think you know a lot of Nebraska fans, you know, they want that that power eye back, um, but. This is the 21st century where it is a speed game. So having uh, good footwork, having uh, good speed is what's going to uh, really help you get noticed and, and most likely help, help your team in the
2: long run. Well, the, the new running back coach uh, had recruited Allen to TCU. And, you know, I, I'm going to guess that he was a high priority recruit at that point in time. And then, you know, obviously he's uh moved to Nebraska now. And so he made every attempt he could to, to bring along, you know, that running back. So um it, it will running back's gonna be interesting. It's uh definitely a full room. And uh you know what you read, uh they might have seven different kinds of running backs um on this team. I don't know that they've got anybody that uh is in that area of Jerome Bettis, maybe Jacques Yant a little bit, a little bit. He might be as close to that as, as anyone, but uh, that that will be a very competitive position this spring.
1: Ramir Johnson, Jacquez Yant, Anthony Grant, new guy, Gabe Irvin, Marquis Step, Emmett Johnson, new guy, A.J. Allen, new guy. Wow, they really... Uh, they filled that up. I, but, Yeah, it, uh, but I mean, when you, you know, when we looked at what happened to Minnesota and how badly running backs get beat up, I guess, you know, and we lost Gabe Irvin last year. So,
0: well, you know. we lost Gabe Irvin. Um, Johnson, you know, Ramirez got hurt, I believe, as well, and was unable to finish out the season. Uh, having depth at running back, I don't think, is a problem. Um, we just got to make sure that, you know, how many of these guys are still going to be here in the fall. You know, uh, what what's spring football going to do as far as uh, calling the herd? There, you you mentioned a lot of names, obviously that we are very familiar with, the, the Johnson, uh, Step, uh, Irvin, Yount. Uh, I think one more who who we should have familiar with, perhaps, maybe not. Maybe the other three are all all newbies, but uh, yeah. There, there's not anybody that you mentioned that I'm I don't want you know getting some some time in the backfield and I feel like I and I don't know maybe maybe I hope I don't come across as like uh, wishy-washy or flip-flopping because I think in the past I've said you need to have one guy who's your guy and be able to um, you know just get you know the timing right and, and let them find their rhythm but I don't think it's a bad idea to have a lot of options, especially when we're in the offseason. When you, when, you know, spring football is the perfect time to figure out who is going to, you, you know, step up and then hopefully not take a step back between April and the end of July, like uh, Jacques Yant did last year. And, and you know, why he was uh, on a milk carton for
2: the first few weeks of the, of the season. Maybe they'll I, keep him in Lincoln and monitor how much he eats. This that's stuff. not a bad idea. But to that point,
0: do you think now that he's a year older that he saw the consequences of his actions from a year ago that maybe they're like, oh, you know, I better lay off the, the hostess of snack cakes or, or whatever it might be, right? I need to, you know, get to the gym more regularly. Do you think that with that added year comes maturity or are we still – We, I mean, they still, you know, college kids who are, you know, when they're off the leash, so to speak, they're going to do what they do.
2: I I don't know. You know, I mean, he's also the one that apparently disappeared and went home to see family and didn't tell anybody he was leaving town, you know, during the week of – I think that was the Wisconsin game. Um, Who knows? Um, He's just got a tremendous amount of talent, and you'd like to think that a year of maturity – would would help.
1: You know what else about L 70 of these guys? There's not a single name on that list that I just named that you'd look at and go, "Yeah, that guy's going to get 1,500 yards." If he was the guy, he'd get us 1,500 yards. You couldn't say that about a single player there. You well, can say about every one of them; they have a lot of potential, but none of them are Jalen Berger from Wisconsin,
0: right? Well, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop you right there. Yeah, Jalen. Bergen, Berger? Whatever. Oh, wait, I'm uh,
1: sorry. He was the guy that uh, he got tossed. He, he was dismissed. The 17-year-old kid. Right. Allen was that right. it? Yeah,
0: I think I think yeah. so. Uh first of all, who was our last thousand yard rusher? Was it Divino Zigbo? Well, oh, sure. Right? right? I mean yeah, I think okay, so. yes, sure. Okay. Like I'm not trying to be a, a, a smart ass. I I'm I I'm <laughs> wondering, you know, it, it's of been a few years right but allen you know up in wisconsin has a fairly stable offensive line to run behind and i think that's you know you you can look at some of the social media feedback of of you know the all the skill players and all the announcements or or you know maybe not directly at you know the the athletic you know department or the football programs you know direct accounts uh but you know when there are Sites like ours who put a little rundown of, of who everybody Then And the, the biggest concern I, I see from a lot of people is, well, we could use some four-star linemen. <laughs> you know. Um, three offensive linemen are coming into Nebraska, two of them from the transfer portal. And one of them, uh, John, you were fortunate enough to or, or not for, kind enough to share this information with us. One offensive lineman from uh, New Jersey by the name of Justin Evans Jenkins, uh, a 6-2-0 lineman, and then we have the uh, the transfer from Oklahoma State, Hunter Anthony, and the transfer from Northern Colorado, Kevin Williams Jr. Those are the offensive linemen that are coming in to help an offensive line unit that wasn't very good and lost one of its more stable. Um, individuals in in uh, Cam Jurgens going turn pro, which more power to him. I think it's a year early, and I think we've talked about that before. But hey, he got an invitation to the combine, so go go do everything you can do, young man, and and get every penny you can get. Um, but I, the, you're
1: worried about the offensive line, aren't you? No, I don't know. I don't not really. We have a shit ton of guys on the roster, and they're really young. It's going to be really about young. whether or not they can turn uh, <clears throat> Bryce Benhart into an actual blocker, a guy who it, actually can move his feet. But and they're young him. and un,
0: they're young, untested. But to, to the point, John, you mentioned, it might've been you, John. It might've been Todd. I don't know. You guys look alike. Um, <laughs> but, Todd, you need to shave. That's why. Uh, but one of you guys, John, it was you, I believe, who raised the concern of do you do we have a 1,500-yard rusher?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, but we don't have an offensive line that's gonna, you know, help, you know, move the defense so that you can have a fifteen hundred yard rusher. We, we, we don't we have an offensive line. Okay, Donovan we'll Rayola
1: is gonna fix it. All- this is the off season for football. This <laughs> is when we start drinking the sugary I, sweet nectar. Of, the, the everything will be fine. But
0: we don't <laughs> – let, let's look at – let's at least look at, at, you know, recent history. We didn't have an offensive line that allowed our quarterback enough time to be enough of a threat that a defense had to play honest. Uh, to and, and I don't think we had the play call in the past that was going to allow for a running back to be as impactful as they could be. We had – Right or wrong, we had a quarterback whose destiny up until this, you know, the offseason that we're in, you know, look back two months ago, whatever it was, six weeks, uh, whose destiny was tied to the head coach and and uh, reciprocally head coach was tied to the quarterback. Now, Adrian Martinez is gone, but Adrian Martinez was, correct me if I'm wrong, the leading rusher this past year, if not the last. hmm? Yep. Okay. We cannot rely and and I'm not the first person to say it. I'm definitely, you know, not, not the smartest guy on this show, let alone on the Internet. But we can't have a quarterback be our leading rusher. And whether or not the play call was designed on purpose to make Adrian Martinez, you know, the the shining star of of the offense, it shouldn't have been I whether or not he was you can't have singular focus, you know, this is a Madden where, you know, if you have uh, a, a Lamar Jackson or something like that, that you can, you can do everything with him. This is real, honest to God football. And so you can't put all your eggs in one basket in the sense that one guy is going to be leaned on to beat the other team. I don't think our play call was uh diverse or, or, I don't, I'm not trying to say complicated. I think sometimes it was too complicated, but it, it, it didn't play to the many strengths and the many weapons that we had. So hopefully going forward, without the crutch of Adrian Martinez, when you have a K- Casey Thompson coming in, you have plenty of offensive weapons. You have an abundance of riches. Uh, you know, it, it's almost a, a, a comedy of, of riches in the number of skilled players you have as long as you can get the ball in their hands. That's what I want to see. But to to say we don't have a 1,500-yard rusher, we didn't have a 1,000-yard rusher. We didn't have an 800-yard rusher. I don't think. I
1: was putting the bar high. Well, you need
0: to put the ball reasonable, John.
2: You have to recognize, too, that the offensive coordinator that you brought in or that Nebraska brought in was his, you know, his, his team threw the ball 60% of the time. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you won't have a running game or, or an effective running game. Um, I think too many times uh, the, the coaching staff last year abandoned the running game uh, way too early in games, way too early. And, you know, that's, that was frustrating. Um, you know, maybe time will tell. Time will tell if we've got a
1: thousand yard rusher. Um, it it, which one of these guys is going to have a thousand yards, Todd? Um, you didn't list him in your time.
2: I'm, I'm, I think the one who'll be a a thousand yard rusher was the guy who is the leading running back, uh, in in the uh, Wisconsin game.
1: yeah, who was it uh Brody Bell. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, wow, yeah. did you do
0: that just for me doug Very good. just for you, and that's why I hate you
2: <laughs> i John, I don't know, I'm not a recruit Nick, I don't pay that close attention, but I guess you know one of the things that's been baffling to me is you know, um. And I, I don't know how to articulate it, but for the last three years, I've questioned um, the decisions that have been made with how they rotate and how they use the running backs. And it it seems like um, there hasn't been a dominating runner or they haven't given the ball to uh, any running back enough for him you know, to get in the groove, to, you know, impact the game. Uh, you know, I don't remember game by game last year, but we had whoever started the first game of the season didn't start the second game of the season. We saw Jack has yaunt and then he disappeared. And then all of a sudden Gabe Irvin emerges and then he's hurt. And now we've got Ramir Johnson. Um, who ran strong and then got hurt. Yeah. Who, so who knows? There's seven of them. I, I would like to think they're going to find one that can be a consistent ball carrier, um, you know, that, that has good vision that can get the yards when you need the yards. But as we all know, that's dependent as well upon, you know, the guys up front um, just read today that our two returning tackles are both uh, out for the spring, neither uh, Corcoran or uh Teddy Prachat, uh, I can't, I'm not going to say his name, Teddy. Um, neither one of them are going to be available for spring ball. So be interesting to see what, what shakes down.
0: I, I, I think I mentioned this, uh, you know, in the season when, you know, guys were sitting for reasons, you know, not playing for reasons that weren't necessarily made public. And, and I, to a point, I understand that you know, hey, you know he he violated a team rule or something, and so he he has to to sit. But uh, so many guys at, at various intervals just went missing, and you know they have they have a lights out game uh, against whomever, and then they don't play the next. You're like, what the hell happened? You know, and, and if if they violated a team rule, you don't have to get into the specifics of it, but and maybe maybe these questions are being answered on like sports nightly or in press conferences, things that, that I don't I'm frankly ha, have list, uh, the ability or time to listen to John, you're shaking your head. No. They're so there's so, okay. So there's it's a mystery.
1: Are, Scott Frost gets asked about that. I'm not going to talk about that. Okay. I mean, you know, well, nobody knows why Brody belt got starts, What the hell, you know, nobody knows why Marquis step just pretty much disappeared. Nobody knows this shit. The I definitely know don't know. Talking, why. talking apparently,
0: I definitely don't know why Brody Belt got starts.
1: I guess he performed better than everybody else or knew the playbook. Who fucking knows? I think that's part of the mystery that is Scott Frost. You know what a fucking doing. I, you know, have you guys watched the NFL? Have you guys watched much the NFL?
0: Uh, I watched uh, Championship Saturday or Sunday. I mean,
1: Todd,
2: I've watched uh, the playoffs very, very close. Some of the okay. best football I've seen in years. Years.
1: Cincinnati is in the Super Bowl. Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. What is remarkable about that? Just guess for me.
2: They they had a losing record last year, you know, a really bad record last like year. Like
0: four wins or something?
2: Something. Two. Something horrible. And they've got uh what a second or a third year head coach. They've got a second year quarterback. Um it's it's amazing. They do not have the greatest offensive line
1: in the NFL. Right. And and that's that's the key. Why they are they making DeMar the Super Bowl? Why are they making the Super Bowl when they don't have an offensive line that can protect Joe Burrow worth the shit? Maybe it's because their fucking offensive coordinator knows how to call passes that get the ball out quick so the quarterback doesn't have to stand there for five seconds waiting for his receivers to get 15 fucking yards downfield,
0: And I I think even if you're, even if it's not necessarily the quick release Joe Burrow and, and look the Adrian Martinez, Joe Burrow decision, you know, whatever has, has been beat to death. Uh, I I think I saw on social media this week that, uh, you know, three years after that comment was made about, you know, like we've got, and Martinez, and we, we think he's the better quarterback. Well, now he's going to be playing at Kansas State, and Joe Burrow is going to be playing in the Super Bowl. So, you know, there, there are, you can – but I, I also understand Frost's logic because at that point, uh, Burrow had something like 30 pass attempts in his career. And I'm going to say this right now, and I don't think anybody on this show is going to disagree with me. Joe Burrow comes to the Nebraska. He's not going to be the Joe Burrow that we know right now. He might be
1: dead. That's not where I was going with that.
0: Okay, carry on.
1: It wasn't at all. It was the comparison. It was looking at Nebraska's offense when we called pass plays. There were a lot of times where we knew that we had two tackles that couldn't block a fucking wet paper bag, and we still ran routes that took 15 yards or 10 yards down the field to develop. He he didn't call – unless he threw those sideways passes, he didn't call passes where Martinez could just get rid of the ball immediately.
2: You know, John, I think, I think that Scott Frost has a pretty creative mind I for developing too. scheme and place, but I don't think he does a very good job of calling the game. And I'm hopeful that his contribution to the offense is with scheme in place and that Mark Whipple can call a game and put the team in a position to succeed.
0: I, I apologize to you, men, who who I respect and whose time I don't want to waste. Uh, but also to the listeners, I got off on of my own tangent previously. What Cincinnati has done successfully with Joe Burrow is it's either quick release or move him out of the pocket, away from pressure, to where he has the, a play, uh, an opportunity for the plays to develop downfield. Uh, I I wanted to make that point earlier, and and I got sidetracked. I sidetracked myself, so I apologize to you guys. I don't disagree with you, John, at all.
1: It's that fucking double hat thing. What are you doing, man? What the, what the hell? What is wrong with you? How many of There's those fat tires have you had?
2: <laughs> He's uh, been home
0: all day. And <laughs> <laughs> me and the kids, John. The kids.
1: <laughs> hey, we got we we had a, a we got a four star receiver today, too. Were you going there well, next or did I? I was going to let
0: you something? because I'll be oh. honest, I don't know exactly which one the new one is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Nebraska picked up a four-star receiver uh, named Jan Bonner.
0: That's who I thought it was going to be. I thought that's I, who you were going to
1: say. That name, I just, I love it. That name is cool. Might Jan-Aran be the best Bonner. year
2: for names. Might be the best name. Best year for names. Jan the coldest.
0: I was going to say, it's not as cool as the coldest Crawford.
2: Ooh, Chubba Purdy. Chuba. You know, I think Ernest is a good name. You know, Ernest <laughs> is a, and, and, you know, he's, he's way down the list when it comes to the names. Let,
0: let's Emmett. I mean, look, there have been uh, at least one successful Emmett running back. Uh, yeah. You know, we could have, we could be the second, you know, but, and, and you know what? I'll say this from the walk-on side of things. At least we got a Brady and not another Brody.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm going to arrange a meeting with you. And yeah, we're going to have
2: to. You, gosh, won't give the young man his due. I tell you. We got
1: Ryan Bishini, and every time I think of that name, I think of Steve
0: Steve Bischini.
1: Yeah, yeah, that guy. Hello, fellow kids.
2: <laughs> young well, fellow young back people. To
1: your, back to your we got. Uh, yeah, wide
2: we, receivers have been upgraded significantly. What you did know, you point, just say? Wide receivers. So? Oh, you said wide receivers. Okay, yeah. that's not what I thought I'm you sorry. Said. Wide receivers. That has been upgraded tremendously with bringing that four star kid in today. You brought in, they brought in Trey Palmer from LSU, they brought in the kid from New Mexico or wherever it is. You know, holy moly! You got you got those guys to talk about. Where does Omar Manning fit in? Is Oliver Martin? Does he even have a chance? You know, uh, what about Xavier Betts? Uh,
1: well, are they just not good enough? No, they're all learning the offense together. That's one thing about it. Well, yeah,
0: I I think Oliver Martin's got to stay healthy, right? And Omar Manning, uh we we hope that we continue to see that he continues to build on some of the bright spots that he had last year. Obviously you look at the 2020 season, he wasn't around much and there's been much said or, or, or speculated about, you know, why he didn't contribute as much in, in 2020 or why he wasn't utilized as much. Um, I he, he showed a lot of, of uh, several bright spots. Uh, you know, you look at that, that touchdown uh, grab in the Oklahoma game, you know, that's, that's a, that's a big league catch, you know, against a, a big league opponent. And, you know, if, if he can, he's a guy that you hope, you know, puts, he's a guy that you hope that all, all the, all the added talent that's come in, you know, for, from, you know, the, the transfer portal or traditional recruiting that it pushes him to excel and that he doesn't, uh, uh, you know, find, find the, a, a different path you know um i i want you know omar manning's a guy that i want to see just really hang in there and and keep going because he's going to have i mean you talk about the upgrade at wide receiver todd there is a significant upgrade at quarterback you know so if if, if we can if, if we can get the the omar manning that we all believe is in there you know waiting waiting to to blossom waiting to know have his have his day uh if we can if, if a quarterback like, like casey thompson can pull that type of of ability out of him then then what a what an addition he will remain to be in that wide receiver room
1: who's gonna be the thousand yard receiver todd
2: oh jesus fucking christ trey palmer why because he's so because he's cool. new he's fast Okay. He is fast. He's elusive. His pro his yard after yards after catch will probably make us all forget about that guy that ran off to Kentucky. <clears throat> Who? Yeah.
1: Well, Samari Torrey had 900 yards last season. Austin Allen had uh, 600. So there's 1400 yards or whatever. Did I do the math right? 900 nope. 1500 yards of receiving that we need to replace between the two top receivers. So you got
2: Thomas Fedoni's going to be healthy this year too. Isn't he the top-ranked tight end from last year? And then you watch that kid from Georgia that was like the 4th or 5th makes you think that Fedoni's going to be one year and then he'll be in the Pro Bowl
1: the next year. <laughs> we still have Vocalec as a tight end, but Volkolek. uh Meany uh, Go ahead. Here, here's
0: what I want from Travis Vocalec. I want his hair to be kept at a respectable length where it's just barely covering the the stitching on on his name on his jersey. I want to see the golden mane, but I don't want it to be too ridiculous.
1: <laughs> Why are you more old man than either of us? How how is that I,
0: I said I want the golden mane. I I just don't want it to be you know like <laughs> No, not the silver mane.
2: You're 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 a Steelers fan. You had Troy Polamalu, and you would you would prefer to be able to read Polamalu Polamalu on the back of his jersey rather than that incredible mane covering it up.
0: Polamalu and Vokalek are not the same.
1: <laughs> well, I didn't? Say <laughs> <it>. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
0: Although I remember, I remember, and and uh, uh, speaking of Olimala quickly, I, there were a, a couple of times where he would intercept uh, uh, an opposing uh, an opposing pass because that's how interceptions work. Uh, football one on one for you folks uh, listening and watching at home. Uh, and he, I remember, he got tackled by one of the guys. I think the running back or something grabbing a fistful of the hair and just uh, pulling it down. I think I think they issued like a like a horse collar type tackle for that or, or penalty. So. You know, anyway, that's why I made a simple suggestion request. Even and you guys are gonna gonna jump my ass about it. I, I think I'm just gonna sit here and be quiet for for a while.
1: No, that you can. You have an opinion. You're entitled to it. <laughs> you know what he's doing right now? He's getting he's probably auditioning for those progressive advertisements where you turn into your dad. <laughs> <laughs> What else about today? Anything National well, Signing Day? It, it doesn't
2: have anything to do with today, but it has to do with just the whole recruiting class. And you've already mentioned it, John. And this I've thought about this after you brought it up earlier. Um, no defensive linemen. And that—that that is concerning to me because as I think about it, you know, Ben Stilley's gone. And then there were two other guys who had a year of eligibility left. I think one was Thomas. Can't remember the other one who. Gordon Riley transferred to. to Oregon, right? Okay, and now we just lost the Riley guy. Um, you know that that has me concerned about, you know, what are we going to have for bodies? You know, up up front, uh, the, the defensive line was solid last year. Uh, I'm not going to tell you they were great, but they did a good job last year and. You know, hopefully, hopefully there's enough depth there and enough young guys
1: that they can. Uh, <laughs> you think they, those they... guys would get as beat up as running backs, and they need a shit ton of them. But uh, yeah, we really didn't. That that's probably the biggest concern. I mean, we replaced or we brought in a lot of experience in the defensive backfield. They brought in a lot of uh, guys to do special teams. You know, and our we have a special teams coach who's supposed to focus on it. And, we, and we've been told that pretty much everybody will be involved on special teams. And honestly, some of the guys they even brought in as like receivers have had experience returning kicks and things like that. I can't. Who was it off the top of my head? With Trey Palmer was one. He scored. Trey Palmer's one. Uh, he has a punt return and a touch and a kickoff return touchdown to his name. And then somebody else. I can't. One of the recent ones has. Uh, uh, one of the running backs has kickoff returns. Uh, and I maybe, think that maybe been the- one of them was Tommy Hill, the uh, guy from Arizona State. He has kickoff return experience, and actually did kickoff returns for Arizona State. Is that you, Greg, or is that a cutout?
0: It's me. I'm <laughs> back.
1: Did you get another beer?
0: I wasn't going to until Todd suggested it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm, I'm drinking vicariously through you.
0: <laughs> Wanna remind everybody, the show brought to you by Fat Tire Amber <laughs> Ale from New Belgium.
1: Well, you know, what I, I think when you look at all this stuff together, all the additions and subscriptions, I think what's, it's really bothersome to me. It really bothers me a lot because now I'm in the same position I was at this year, at this time last year which is this is a roster that looks like it should win a shit-fucking-ton of games. It really should. When you look at this roster compared to every other Big Ten West team, I realize I'm biased. And by the way, Greg, I have now sat here for at least an hour, and you have not even looked around my room or anything, apparently. But uh, I realize I'm biased when I look at our team. There's a damn golden gopher (laughs) on your what the the fuck are you doing john my husker blanket is in the wash then you be cold (laughs) (laughs) the dog the dog needs something to lay on
0: is the dog laying on your bed right now
1: no she's laying right next to my feet
0: then i suggest you get the damn blanket off our screen
1: (laughs) i do you really want to see what? No. no anyway, no. I think that I yeah I put the blanket there because otherwise it looks like dead. Well, there was a dead body there. Anyway, I was going to say,
2: say I, dead bodies are a
1: concern. Um, I mean, I not, not look at this line. roster. I look at it and see. I see a roster that w- should win a whole gab of games, but I that's the same thing I saw last year. And I, I want to ask Bothers you, me a lot. It,
0: specifically to that question. Because a lot of people are <clears> – <throat> a lot of head coach Scott Frost detractors. And I'm not counting Todd in this because I know he hates Scott. Uh, not personally, but as a coach. Um, <laughs> but but they say, you know, we're going to be given a, a false sense of confidence because we have a, a quote-unquote weak – well, we have a weaker schedule. I mean, there, there's no doubting – you know, last year's schedule was one of the – tougher schedules, you know, in the country and certainly one of the hardest schedules Nebraska's had in the last 10 or so years. Uh, but uh, there are a lot of people who say, well, you know, Nebraska is going to get this false sense of confidence in Scott Frost because they're, you know, if they have more success against weaker teams, I look at it from, and we've talked about this for, uh, gosh, a couple of years now, sadly, um, you, we have – a program full of young men who only know what it's like to win a few games. We need, you know, a six, seven, eight win season just to build some internal confidence. To help, I say this with all due respect to obviously everybody sitting here, uh, everybody at Coronation and, and all Husker fans, but to hell with the fans, we have to we have to have a team, a program that believes that it can get the job done. You know, uh, we've seen, as I mentioned, we've seen, you look at last year and last year reminded me a lot of Mike Riley's first year. You know, I think he went three and nine, something like that. But a lot of them were one score games. A lot of them were, God dang, if the ball just bounces a little bit different, you know, we had that season opening, uh, I believe it was season opening loss to uh, BYU um, you know, via, via Hail Mary, John, I know that game, uh, is, is particularly fun for you to try to think back to. Um,
1: it's <laughs> just freshly dead, then I was gonna
0: say, and anybody who uh uh, uh wants to know more about that should read John's book, Ben Dead, Never Been to Paris, uh, available on Amazon.com. Uh, but that's what a lot of you know we we lost nine games and we lost eight of them by one score or less and the other game that we lost to i believe that was the ohio state game we lost by nine you know or, or i mean it was it was right there we had a series of, of we had a season of games last year that at the end of the day could have gone either way and and i certainly we wish like, why couldn't they have, you know, the Michigan state game is a classic example. The Michigan game with uh, um, I'll say, it, I'll say it fully biased. How do you not blow the whistle when Adrian Martinez has stopped moving forward and then the ball comes free and is picked up and taken the other way. Uh, you know, that could have been a loss of four momentum. Nebraska maintains possession and, and continues, you know, their possession. We had a ton of games like that. We also just had some some bonehead uh, errors in games. The I think the first, correct me if I'm wrong, the first score against us last year was the safety uh, against uh, Illinois on the punt uh, to Cam Taylor Britt that he tried to to throw, you know, on on the punt return. Right. Um, so we 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 battle. did a lot. A lot of it was self inflicted, um, but we were in there on so many games that I, I I wonder if, you know, 2022 is going to be the opposite of that. You know, like we're going to come out ahead on, on, on a lot more of those close decisions. Um, it, I guess what I'm trying to say is where we are, you know, this year compared to last year, the talent is still there. My question being, and and god dang, I, I took the longest possible way of asking it is, do you think with the weakest weaker schedule this year, if Nebraska is more successful, that there's going to be this false sense of confidence in Scott Frost that that his that or do you think that the changes have been made internally that will be stronger um, based on the the staff changes, the, the the personnel that's in place, both on the coaching staff and on the field? Sorry. Todd, I'm, I'm going to, I'll hang up and let you guys
1: answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to go first, Todd? Sure. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the big question. You brought all these guys in, you've got a whole shitload of really good, what looked like really good players out of the transfer portal you put together. I, like I said, a roster that should be built to win a crap ton of games and it's all going to be about whether or not this coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball is going to gel together and actually coach and, and you know, work together. Because I don't know if the last one did that well, especially on offense. And I, I've said this since Scott Frost came to Nebraska. I expect his offense to score 35 to 40 points a game. That's not, you know, in years ago that would be a high. That was, I think, what was it? One of our Nebraska teams set the record for scoring for a game. And was it 95 maybe at 42? But that that those days are gone. You if you want a really good offense, it should be scoring, let's say, 38 points a game. And I think we've averaged around like 20 to 20. Well, not 20, but probably 24, 25 points a game. So, you know, you you take care of the defensive line problem by having an offense that can score a lot all the time when they need to. You know what I mean? You get out the red zone and you punch the ball in and you don't have to worry about kicking field goals. And is this coaching staff going to be able to uh, do that? Is this too early for me to trust them? Is uh, Do I want to just start drinking the Kool-Aid here and, oh, my God, it's February? Or do I have to – can I just – what am I supposed to do with this? That's what I want to know. What do I do with this, Todd? Well,
2: I think that <laughs> what you do with it is – just wait and see. I don't think that there's any, I don't, I, I, I've not, I'm not a Kool-Aid drinker. I've never been the Kool-Aid drinker. Um, The only way that we're going to know anything about this team is going to happen over in Ireland. And, you know, if the first time they set foot out on the field, you know, are they going to, are they going to be successful? And, yeah I just don't think that um you know this the spring, I, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago in the spring, I believe that there is probably going to be more intensity and more focus on um, getting this offense um, up to speed on coach Whipple's offense than any previous year. I, They've brought in so many transfers, um, guys with the experience. I really don't think it's going to be a developmental spring for a lot of players. You know, like it, like it typically has been. I think they're going to take advantage of most of the practices that they have, get that in, get that offense installed, uh, so that they can hit the ground running when they come back in the fall. Um, can this team win? You know, six, seven, eight games, They, yeah, last year's team could have. Um, the team the year before could have. Uh, could have, would have, should have. Ifs and buts, candies and nuts. You know, it, it really doesn't matter, you know, what we think can happen right now. It's, it's what's going to happen in the fall and what does happen in the fall. Uh, I hope Nebraska wins, you know, seven, eight, nine games. That would be great. It'd be a fun season if that can happen.
0: You know what, Todd? I'm going to interrupt you there, and I apologize. I don't like interrupting, but you hope Nebraska wins seven, eight, nine games. I hope Nebraska wins thirteen. Just saying. I think I'm a better fan than you.
2: Well, I've, I've you know, I, I, you won't be the first one that believes that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, you know, it's and and if they do well, and Nebraskans feel good about the team, that's that's what it's all about. And I think the thing, and, and I've kind of developed this, you know, in the last week or so, the reason I want to see, well, there's many reasons I want to see the team succeed and be, and be a winner. But I, I, I want this team to be successful because I'm really curious what the class of, what the recruiting class of 2023 is going to look like and 2024, because you turn Becton loose, Bush loose, Joseph loose. I mean, holy smokes with what they- Travis Fisher. Travis Fisher loose. And apparently Scott Frost is a decent closer. Um, You get those in there with all those moms, you know. Well, there you go. Um, (laughs) Who knows? You know, it might be- It's exciting to think about that, but this team has to win seven or eight games, at at a minimum, to bring the caliber of player in that. Eight, I think these coaches can.
1: It's not seven or eight; it's eight. They have to contend for the Big Ten West next season. That's it. If if nothing else, it should be accepted. I don't disagree. Dispute that. I don't disagree. Um, What else we got? We got anything else? I I, I don't know if we're ready to talk about it. Uh,
0: I don't know if we have more to talk about uh, regarding signing day, the recruiting class. Um, Look, we highly encourage everybody just, you know, stay up to date. Everything that happens, coronation.com. If we didn't specifically discuss every new acquisition to uh, the Nebraska football program, uh, here on this show, we have at coordination. So, you know, you can do a little bit of the work. <laughs> Quit being so damn lazy. No, um, I didn't know. It. Women's basketball. Uh, we need to get Jill back on here in a week or two to give us updates, but uh, they have a freshman, uh, a, a perennial, uh, freshman, uh, Big 10 player of the week, or 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 maybe just flat out Big 10 player of the week. I don't know, but uh, Markowski, I believe, uh, is is uh proving her medal, uh, at, at the biggest stage uh, of her career thus far and is uh, holding her own exceptionally well. Uh, the Nebraska women, uh, I think John, I think you you made the, the comment that nobody necessarily wanted to win. Uh, that game, I believe it was Nebraska Rutgers, uh, final score of 50-something to 38. Uh, buckets were hard to come by, but Nebraska ended up finding a way. Um, eh, so, yeah, we'll need to get Jill on. She's definitely the the more um, educated voice uh, when it comes to uh, Nebraska women's basketball. The men, they've been close. I, I don't know if that's progress for them or or if they're at a point where they're you know, playing competitions, playing down to their level as out of charity, uh, but they've been close here a couple of times. Uh, so, uh, you know, Rutgers could have been a win. Michigan could have been, or should have been a win, uh, the last two games here. So, um, all we can do is is hope that eventually this this bad luck streak will end, or or maybe they're just saving it all to un- unload a win after win after win when they get to the Big Ten uh, tournament. Uh, and, and then go on from there because it doesn't matter what you do in the, in the regular season. If you win the tourney, you're going dancing. That's all I'm saying. Um, so that's a, that's a lot of, uh, high hopes. Um, baseball's not terribly far away. I know that because, uh, a, a local, uh, minor league stadium, that's honestly about 10 minutes from my house. I saw Facebook ads today that they're hosting, uh, bragging rights again, bragging rights for those of you not in, uh, uh, the land of Lincoln or the show me state is Illinois Mizzou. And it started out as basketball, uh, typically uh, a week or so before Christmas. And they always play that game in St. Louis. Uh, well, apparently they, they've done it for baseball as well. So um, GCS stadium, which uh, as I mentioned is very near to my house, uh, will be hosting bragging rice between Missouri, Illinois on March 29th. And I'm considering going. It's a Tuesday, and so far I don't have anything planned. A little college baseball, uh, so that just means that Nebraska baseball is, you know, that much near uh, for us. And looking forward to uh, what Will Bolt has uh, for, I believe, his second
1: season. Third, well, third, third kind, thank kind you. of. Thank you. Kind, you. kind of. You know, third that he's been in Lincoln, but you know, the <laughs> COVID year he didn't really get to do much. Right. Baseball really needs to save us. They really do
0: that's what we got women's basketball we got women's bowling volleyball and now you you're you're just so demanding john we have all these wonderful women's sports that are carrying the banner why can't why can't the women have their day why can't it why can't Apparently the women because carry i'm yours?
1: a male chauvinist pig you motherfucker <laughs>
0: <laughs> god damn it i no i didn't have much uh, else i wanted to mention that um Briefly, the uh, Winter Olympics have started, and they decided to start tonight uh, in Minnesota. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Between uh, U.S. men's national soccer team uh, and Honduras, where apparently, allegedly, this is from Grant Wall, uh, two Honduran players were treated for hypothermia in that game (laughs) in St. Paul, Minnesota.
2: It would uh, not surprise me. It
1: looked horrible. So, well, it was negative four when I went to work this morning. So it, it warmed brutal. up. It, it was a heat wave to like, I think it got up to nine. <laughs> so, uh,
0: I was reading that thread uh, on Twitter here uh, after I got my second beer. Thank you, Todd, uh, for reminding me. And apparently there are rules that say uh, under extreme conditions, you're supposed to either postpone the game or move it, find someplace indoors, something like that. Um, but, you know, Honduras is much closer to the equator. So I figure that the U.S. men's national team thought we need as much help as we can get. Uh, so <laughs> we're just going to make these guys freeze. Uh, that's apparently what they did.
2: <laughs> well, apparently uh, one of the U.S. players, he – Tweeted out and said, uh, word to everything I love. I am retiring next time we have to play in weather like this. I don't believe him.
1: Holy moly. (laughs) I thought it was a U.S. bank. I can't. I guess. Wow. That is. uh, That's a little. That's a little drastic. (laughs) And I mean, that's the reason why we have. You have hockey on ice, but everybody, you know, wears gear and shit. Soccer and negative five or I think it was zero when you texted me or something. If it was uh it was zero when you mentioned they said it NFL. was negative
2: wind chill, is what they said. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Game. Any
1: windchill whatsoever is so yeah. freaking horrible up here in the cold.
2: Well, well John, you
0: I don't know how, how close you follow hockey, but the winter classic was up in Minnesota, uh Minneapolis, uh, between the wild and the blues. I watched that game because of course I'm a avid blues fan. And, you know, that was very cold as well. So um, that's why I don't live in Minnesota, ladies and gentlemen. Like I'm I years ago, I don't know if I've ever told the story on the podcast, but in 2016, right around Memorial Day, uh, my wife and I and our, you know, of course, then he was six months old, but our our six year old now uh, we went to Omaha for almost a week. My wife had a, a job interview out at Omaha Children's Hospital. And, you know, God, we thought it was going to be very likely we might be moving. We met with a realtor. We were looking at some houses out in that area, uh, drove to Lincoln, met uh, some friends for dinner at uh, Lazlo's uh, there in the Haymarket area. But uh, I, while my wife got an offer, it wasn't as lucrative as. You know, I think she had hoped and, and, you know, as a woman who knows her worth, she's like, no, nah, that's not going to work. But I also had cold feet because all our family's all right here. Uh, but days like today, when it's freezing rain for 10 to 12 hours and, uh, you know, colder than a witch's, you know what? can uh, we think, of, you know what? Arizona's pretty warm, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, and I realized that all regions of the country have their own uh you know uh, climactic I- I- events you know it, it, like i wouldn't want to live in florida because that's hurricanes in florida uh i wouldn't want to live any further north than i do because i don't like to be cold but i don't want to be in tornado alley necessarily I'm like arizona new mexico I mean maybe some sandstorms. i don't know exactly what weather conditions they have out there so it's uh you know, it's been a thought. Maybe someday when I get to retire, I'll go someplace in the Southwest.
1: It's gonna get really hot with climate change, and then everybody would be wanting to come up here. we would be just like building fences, building walls, keep building walls, the keep down. them out of Minnesota. Damn, <laughs> out of Stay that no. and roast down there by yourselves, you sons of bitches.
0: <laughs> now, I have seen, and I'm sure you all have as well, uh, Roland Emmerich, and I, I believe he's got a new movie coming out, uh, like Moonfall or something like that. But his movie, uh, Day After Tomorrow, with Jake Gyllenhaal and, and others, uh, about a, a massive climate event worldwide that freezes most of the northern hemisphere. And people are scrambling to get into Mexico I'm just going to leave that one there, um, but I would not want to be anywhere involved where like the world is is freezing as I'm walking down the street. No thanks. I don't like are we being just gonna,
1: Are we just going to? Are we just going to during the off season here at some point just delve into politics?
0: No, no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you fucking chicken shits. And I'll tell
0: you why. I don't read enough. I, I don't read enough to be educated because I don't care. It doesn't matter if they have an R or a D behind their name. They're not out for our best interests. They're out for themselves and for their careers. And it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if this is the the only thing I ever say about it. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. We're all fucked. And I'm going to keep drinking while I'm here. <laughs>
1: We should probably end there before Todd re- rebuts with this commie attitude about shit.
0: I don't know if Todd could necessarily disagree with what I just said.
1: No. Are you going to let him?
2: It's February. They can't
1: hear you on a podcast when you raise your hands in capitulation, <laughs> you fucking pansy.
0: No. Todd obviously we go feels now. that. All right. John's John's waving us home. He's he's waving us around.
2: Third, waving us around. Yeah.
0: (laughs) All right. Before I get myself into any further trouble by sticking said foot in said mouth, uh, I want to thank from the very deepest portions of my heart Todd Wolverton as always for joining us. Todd, don't ever change.
2: I'll try hard (laughs) not to change.
0: And as always, uh, John Dam Johnston, our founder, Fearless Leader, for being the gentleman and the scholar that you are. I thank you. Gentleman. And scholar.
1: Okay, I mean, if I'm going go go to lay it on thick,
0: if I'm going to lay it on thick, I'm going in with both feet. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and definitely uh, for you, the listener slash viewer, uh, we have a new home on YouTube, courtesy of uh, John Johnston. So uh, find us on uh, Coronation podcasts, You can subscribe there, get all of our podcasts. And uh, Patrick says he doesn't want to do video. uh, So we'll just find images to put up uh, for his face and and continue to put them up on YouTube anyway. Uh, Any other uh videos uh you podcasts that come down the pipe we'll make sure we share them with you there uh as always we appreciate your your comments your feedback uh we, we appreciate you listening and telling people about what we do here at coordination uh be it the, the podcast the site uh thank you for uh how many years now has coordination been around john 15
1: yeah 15 and a half i think it'll be sixteen and this, uh, a half this august
0: we That's we couldn't time. do it uh Coronation is nothing without, uh, you, the, the, the reader, the viewer, the listener. So thank you. Uh, and, and that's, that's look, I I'm thankful to these guys here and I, I mean it sincerely. Uh, I'm thankful to, to you, uh, at home, at work, in the car, wherever you might be as well. So, uh, for all of us, I'm Greg Mahachko reminding you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. John
1: go big red
0: Todd
2: go big red.
0: See, and and he didn't say go big blue.
1: (laughs) Okay. I'll edit that last part out, Todd. You're okay.